two, one. Welcome to Latinas Who Adventure, a podcast about the ins and outs as adventuring as women. Part of what can seem overwhelming if you're just kind of browsing, there are so many options. So many options, there's so many things you can yeah. do. This guy's the limit. Hosted by Heather Diaz and Marcela Mel. everyone. Welcome to this episode of Latinas Who Adventure. I'm Marcella. I am Heather. And today we're going to be talking about conservation. And we really want to talk about this topic. It's near and dear to um, both of us. Um, we're really passionate about protecting the environment, protecting the planet, um, so that we can just continue um, enjoying nature for years to come. And really the main motivation behind this is that the earth gives us so much in terms of hiking, beauty, health. So it's a great way to give back. And today we're going to talk about how we can reduce our impact on the environment on the trail. Exactly. Um, and for me, like, in addition to what Marcella said, whenever I go outside, I always think, because I'm not from California, but now I live here. I'm always, like, when I visit these amazing, beautiful places like Yosemite, everywhere, anywhere in the Bay Area, too, I'm always thinking, like, man, I, 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 wow, I wish my sister could, my, my nieces can be here. I wish my nephew can be here. I want to show them around in my family. And so, and then also, I don't have kids. I have future kids. So it's not just even for me. It's, like, thinking about everyone else there that hasn't had the opportunity to experience this. It's just, you know, it's really, we have to, you know, put or take ourselves out of it and think about what we can do so everyone can have this experience. Because it's pretty yeah. selfish of us. If we just, you know, we're using this and we're just, you know, just, you know, not, you know, we're not taking care of it. And just, it's like not a place to party, you know, <laughs> it's, like yeah. it's not like that. We really need to do our best to take care of it so everyone else can have the same experience. You know, and that's one, like, one thing I always think about when I do my best to help clean up the parks. Like, this is for my my nieces and my nephew and future kids. And also everyone else that I know that, that they can Yeah, I really, have, really love that. And I know the trails too. don't even have to just be parks or national parks or forests. I know um, recently I've started really picking up just like trash that I find around my neighborhood when I'm walking my dogs. Cause like you're saying, it's not just because it's, it's not pretty, but it's for everybody else. Um, I'm not the only one using these spaces. So and even that, like even now, now, so as my sister pointed out, like she said that she is at the park and her little girls like would pick up anything. So she's picking up bottle caps. She's finding all these things. Yeah. Is this something that you want kids to like pick up? And they're gonna touch? Like no, it shouldn't be. So not even for like now. Now it's not even good for that too. So don't like it's not just about you. It's for everyone else who can. If we're sharing the space. It's not just ours. It's everyone else's. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. And it's also the. And I think the we're gonna go a bit more into that in just a bit. How um, waste can really impact wildlife too. So one of the things we really wanted to cover today that a lot of people talk about in the outdoors is leave no trace. Um, and what does that really mean, right? We hear about, you know, all these principles that let you make sure that you don't leave anything behind that, um, you know, I know, Heather, you talk a lot about um, leave it better than you found it. So um, there's some, I, I think it's seven principles that some organization um, kind of came up with, but what do they really mean, right? I think we're going to dive deeper into that today. And you probably see them everywhere. I know some of my friends, like, you know, um, Erica from Pacific Northwest Happy Hikers, she posts in her profile all the time. Um, I can go ahead and, you know, you know say it right now. I mean, one is plan ahead and prepare. Kind of vague. Um, to travel <laughs> on durable services. That makes sense, right? Um, but uh, but like, how does that relate to leaving the trace behind? Even the first one, like how does that relate to leaving the trace behind? Um, dispose of waste properly. Okay, that makes sense. And that gets, because with leaving the trace behind, okay. Leave what you find. Now that makes sense. Okay, and that's another one. Yeah. Four, five, minimize campfire impacts. Yes, like that. I do understand, but what, what can you do though? It's kind of vague. Like we're gonna go into that. 
respect bio life. Yeah, it makes sense, you know, and the last one, be considerate of other visitors. Okay, like, I don't know, like, that's a controversial one. I will get into that, because yeah, what does that mean know, relate to, like... When we were doing the research for this, we got into this super long kind of rant about that last principle, so... <laughs> You know, I think um, what we're really going to do is, like, give our own interpretations of a lot of these principles, but also talk a bit about kind of what the official um, meaning and language is behind some of these, right? So, like you said, like, the first one was plan ahead and prepare. So I really liked what you said about how that actually relates to um, Leave No Trace. And you kind of started with, like, a mental mindset change of thinking of nature as a museum. So um, can you talk more about what you mean by that? Yes, of course. So like that's really a great, to me it's a great analogy. And this is something I got from like my, my friend Stephen, his work, his coworker. So this is kind of, you picked up on, but like it's so important. You think of nature as a museum, just think about it. Like you're kind of a visitor, observing it's not, you know, you're someone else's was hosting this space and you just don't walk into a museum and then you just mess with the Mona Lisa and there's trample over the artwork <laughs> like I'm gonna just look at this and pull this and just look at it with my messy hands and you don't go to exhibit to say do not enter you respect it and you just don't go it's just, it says do not enter and then you just follow where it tells you to go and then when the exhibit is closed it's closed you don't go in it because you'd be trespassing you know it's kind of like a park because it's closed and it might just be a sign but it still can go around it you just you just don't go right and you don't toss trash at the artwork either you know you just up and observe I mean you just admire you look and observe and you admire the beauty you might you know and that's what you do with the nature you admire it it's it's art to me it's like being nature it's like art and you know Please, if you want to take a picture, sometimes the people don't take pictures, but you can take a picture, but it doesn't include touching it. You know, like there's ways you can take a picture and you still be at a distance. <laughs> and also yeah. uh, it leads into like, take only photos and leave only footprints that my phrase that you might have heard earlier, but that's like one tactic you can think of when you're visiting a park or preserve. Um, and this is just like, what my perspective is that I like to show people different analogies and so maybe it will help them understand like this is what it is because that, that's what helps me like think about it you know I just I need this yeah. is like real life like uh, you know rationality and it's like yeah now I understand so that's why I'm sharing that because it's kind of makes yeah, it just makes a lot more sense and um, hopefully it makes a lot more said, sense to you toss trash at the artwork right I was kind of um imagining someone grabbing you know their like tissue and throwing it at you're saying the Mona Lisa or something, right? But um, I remember in one of your posts, you were saying that tissues is one of the things that you find most on the trail. It just makes me wonder, you know, do do people think that this is going to decompose because it's made of cotton or... I think it's part of it. it's like it just flies because like I admit that like I used to bring tissues and then as soon as I started picking up trash I stopped because I realized how easy it is just to flow in the air so you think you're putting your backpack or your pocket and then just like whoop, it just flies off and like you really want to grab it you know and because no one wants to grab it so it's just one of those things I think it's just you have to be cognizant of, wh- of what you're doing what you're bringing which is why it's plan ahead and be prepared because um, for me that requires bringing a, a pack and uh, typically but bringing a pack bringing a plastic baggie that has all the trash and it's sealed so I don't know it I know for sure it's not flying away because I think we all been there you're staying somewhere especially yes. the mountain, and then you open something and everything flies away and you're like oh, no, it's happened so you just gotta think about that way when you're outside the exact same thing you the exact same experience know that it can happen and you got to be extra precautious when you're on the trail and that includes tissues that's why I just I I, I use um like my buff, which is simply gross. <laughs> I know it's really gross. It's like a worst thing. Oh, your shirt. Are you about to buy? I need to be better bringing like a handkerchief or something like that or a bandana. Mm-hmm. It's probably more likely the best thing to do. Um, I'd probably be using more of a, because I switched over later on, have like a bandana nearby. Just it's much easier. And it's colorful. It's easier not to lose and it's cheap. 
We have plenty, but we have way too many bandanas, by the way. Do not give us any bandanas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're definitely amassing a collection of bandanas. The other day when we went on a hike, I was wearing it. As, they're pretty useful mask. because, but, you know, it, and we're going to go into the whole hygiene aspect in a bit too, but it can double as a little pea cloth if I need it. Or like you're saying to blow my nose if I really needed that. So it's a really, really great asset on the trail, I think. But even in terms of planning ahead, right, um, I, I think that kind of touches a bit on that where, you know, it's not just about, you know, what are kind of my needs that I'm going to have to tend to on the trail and how am I going to pack and prepare for that, but also bringing a map or, or even just knowing what the trail is going to look like and how you get there and what the parking situation is, is part of planning ahead and kind of in a way you can think of it as reducing your impact just because, you know, if you know where the trail is, you're less likely to step off trail, which can be harmful for the ecosystem there. Um, right. If you're driving around for, to find a parking spot that of course, um, your car emissions are going to be ad- added there. Um, so just kind of little things that to think about that you wouldn't necessarily think about. But I know, for example, like a few weeks ago, because we didn't plan and prepare properly ahead of time. We drove out almost two hours to a hike to find that we couldn't access the trailhead because of snow. And so we just had to drive back. But that was kind of a wasted drive because we didn't plan ahead and we didn't think of all of the potential things. So um, even that, I think, is a way to think about your impact on the environment, really. Yeah, that, that totally is way to eat car emissions and just driving into driving. And then, you know, that's what one way to how planning ahead can be helpful, reducing your impact. And then another thing I'd like to add is just that I'm always find out if you are not prepared, which means you don't have the proper navigation, it's like you probably might go off trail. And then if you go off trail, then you might be like, and that's when like you might be like hiking somewhere there's no trails or maybe like, you are then creating like then you're like you're you're could be because if you're actually technically hiking on grass or anywhere else but the trail you're technically that you're creating a new trail because that's what happens especially in meadows so it's just like you know making sure you don't do that or even worse it's when you're somehow trespassing and that's even worse because it might be going different land that's not even yours and that's a whole another piece what you're doing over there because that's like it's not you're not part of the frog's problem you're part of somebody else's that who owns that property's problem um, and maybe like you can be interfering with the wildlife there. I mean, you just don't know. So it's just better just to plan ahead. So you know exactly where you're going. You don't have to get lost. Uh, and, and that's one thing too. And other thing too, planning ahead is just making sure you have your, you have your water bottles, your food handy. Um, like I'm one that always, you know, I have, I remember, I'm always plan. I have my food. I try to bring whatever I can, whether it's like a sandwich, even tacos, you know, and, but if you, if you don't have water, you can always buy water, but then what if like, you don't, you, you creating more waste by bringing more plastic water into there, even with tissues. What if you bring tissues instead of, you know, a handkerchief and all a bandana and all of a sudden tissues are everywhere. Then you also, you you know, you're using paper and then all of a sudden now the paper is everywhere. So just yeah, I think that, just like, garbage alone is, is a topic impact. that we could talk about forever. Um, but w- one last thing that we wanted to just touch on really briefly about being prepared was just kind of not just being prepared for for the day, um, but just kind of getting ready even the day before, right? So part of that is is the mindset that we're talking about. Part of that is knowing ahead of time how you're going to get there, what the conditions and the weather is going to be like. Um, but I have like a really funny anecdote about, you know, actually being prepared and planning ahead where, um, my sister, and she's going to hate me for saying this on a recording, but, um, she has a sensitive stomach to certain foods, but she planned her meals, her dinners with her boyfriend. Um, and they were planning on a hike the next day. The food didn't sit right with her. So she actually, um had diarrhea on the trail um and she knew that that could happen but 
you know, kind of didn't plan her, her meals accordingly. So um, even something like that, if you know you have this, you know, you don't want to have a bad time. And um, honestly, right, um, going to the bathroom on the trail is an impact. So even something like that can be, you know, accidents happen, of course, but like, that can still be prevented sometimes if you if you know your body. So <laughs> since I have um you know tooth bombs whatever you want to call it like I have IBS so I'll make sure I don't eat any dairy anything that triggers my stomach night before because I don't I don't I don't have time to deal with like the any problems and if anyone has done any racing in their lifetime especially like with running I think everyone says that don't try anything new the morning of your race because you don't want any accidents. And so just think of it that way. Like just don't try anything new the night before, the morning of, just like just eat what you usually would that makes your stomach happy. Um, You just don't want to take any of the risks because, you know, if you do, it can happen. And then it's up to you if you want to go through that. Yeah, so I think all of this is about knowing about the impact that you can have and trying to take a step before you get on the trail to, to reduce that. But once you get on the trail, right. Um, I've certainly been guilty of this. Certainly when I was younger, um, I really liked to collect rocks and I'll be totally honest. I still love to collect rocks, but I'm trying to be a lot better about this. Um, cause leaving what you find is actually pretty important. Um, I think it goes back to what you were saying before, Heather, about thinking of nature as a museum, right? Um, you shouldn't really be picking up random stuff you find. But in terms of rocks, I, one thing that I saw was about stacks of rocks, or cairns as they're called. I've read mixed messages about that, um, how some people say, like, definitely don't build your own stacks. And other people say, like, no, it's totally good and safe. So... Um, I know you had some thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, well, like with rock stockings, is that like if you see it just there, um, you don't have to, um, you know, try to fix it back. I mean, like this, it's leave it there. In some circumstances, like I find it beneficial because, like, when it comes down to the back country, like way in the back country, any unmarked trails that haven't been used or people don't, it's not well maintained. Or even the winter time when it's snow, like it's 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 hard to navigate through these. So instead of um, people would leave some sort of marker just to help you. So instead of someone, you know, going off trail, going everywhere up to left, right, it's like it helps them like stay, go clear to like make, like us create less foot traffic. And by then it's like the snow too. Yeah. And like you're hiking in the snow. So, um, but still like that, like I do understand, but those are, that happened on the PCT. The only other time we did something like that was like, and um, Gethsemane, we were hiking this one place. Like obviously no one has been, but just in case, like we, we had really good like eyesight for which is a better trail. And if someone's not as like had the expertise as we have, they would have chosen the worst path that could mm-hmm. relate to accidents or like just in case. And luckily we're here. We're in the first people that have been here because um, we're going to like, put a little signal here so people know take the safest route but that's like that happens like once out of like the past like few years and that's just like you know overnight backpacking trip but still like that's when I can see be you know beneficial you know so they'd be kind of but other than that like we don't really need it for day hikes someone like once left like pedals for us yesterday because it was actually kind of confusing because as a trail that was unmarked in google so it's only on paper maps if someone wants like a pedal trail which is really cute i like that I never saw yeah. a pedal trail but <laughs> but still like that's when like you can't like get a pick your pick your battles but still if you see your rock stacking just like leave it there but don't go ahead and if, if, don't try to recreate one if like there's already one there. Like, just kind of leave it alone. You don't need 20 rock stackings, you know, like, yeah. um, but you also, so that's like, that's my, my thing. And, but I know you had your thing about what yeah. if you find I mean, stones near a lake? The general argument for not water. building rock stacks is like, it can disturb like the ecosystem and the habitat of kind of smaller wildlife around there. But we were talking about, um, 
This one time we went to to hike next to a river, and honestly, I've seen this next to several rivers where the riverbank is just a huge pile of rocks. Um, and I've found rock stacks there, and and honestly, we've built a rock stack or two there because there were just so many rocks. Um, and of course, we only picked the surface ones, so it's not like we're digging to find special rocks. But I think in a place like that, you know, of course, we wondered first, like, oh, should we even do this because of what we've heard about building rock stacks? But in the end, we, we decided that, you know, given that we're only moving kind of the surface ones, maybe it wasn't too bad. And the other thing, too, that I know you mentioned before, Heather, was when we were preparing this was uh, skipping rocks, like on a lake or um, on a river, too. I feel like everyone has done that at one point in their life. And seriously, I mean, um, you shouldn't you do that because you can't move any rocks. Like, yeah. so, <laughs> um, I kind of get placing rocks on trails where they don't typically occur or like taking rocks away from a trail and then moving them to some entirely different place. Um, I think that can cause some separate issues. In that case, I do think you're kind of disrupting the landscape and all these things. But if you're already on a pile of rocks, piling the rocks slightly differently, personally, I don't see that big of an issue. I'm not saying you should always build a rock stack either, but like, it's questionable, right? Um, I think so. Yeah, I agree too. Um, but just something like you got to keep in mind when it when you see like leave what you find. Um, that's just like you know one thing that we saw with rock with um with rocks. But just wanted to like let you know this our perspective and like the thoughts that we had. And we talked about this for a while on um, the other day. Um, but in general, I guess like you know hopefully you understood that concept. And you know most importantly, it is really important to leave what you find. Um, I guess aside from the rock thing, like anything else you find, just leave it there. Um, you know, it's just, it's like, like, if you think of it as a museum, you just don't pick things from, like, the exhibits and just take yeah. time. You just don't do that. So if I can actually nature, add one more thing that just, just occurred to me, especially there. right now that it's, like, wildflower season, I think a lot of people have the tendency to be like, ooh, this pretty flower, I want to pick it and carry it with me. Unless you know that's not endangered, because some wildflowers, especially kind of in mountainous areas or near the coast, can be endangered. I would definitely refrain from picking wildflowers that you don't know because there are things some wildflowers can be toxic too but that's kind of part of we've what you find I think as well is it's not just about the rocks it's also you know flowers and plants and oh I don't know I I tend to think of wildlife as as (laughs) animals only but I guess you're right too I don't know. I just thought about that for a second. That's yeah, part of one and maybe of the, we should just um, go into that. The we don't have to cover them in order. <laughs> exactly. We already missed one, Camp on Durable Services. We'll can briefly Ooh. go into that later. But respect yeah. to wildlife. Because, like, yeah, just don't feed the wildlife. Don't go near them for a photo op. Um, and, you know, remember that animals are usually more scared of you than they are of them. And um, so it's it's good to know, but still, please stay away. And especially with a mama bear and a yeah. mama bear and her cubs, well, I mean, any animal that's like a mom with like any offspring, leave them alone. Like, please keep them their distance. It can get quite scary. And I was actually really upset because they posted this video as it happened a few months ago of a guy, he got really close to a cougar and he was like on his phone, like trying to get close and he was a runner. And the cougar like was upset and kind of like you know like, looked like he was launching at him. It was like really scary, but I was more upset because like uh, someone else repurposed that video and they cut off the part when he was like walking toward the mom and the cubs. So it was more of a scare tactic scene. Like look at the sky, a cougar was like attacking him, but it's like because he disturbed. Like you didn't see the first ten seconds when he was like coming up close. Like that's the reason why he had his phone out. 
you know, that, like please stay away from a mom and its offspring. Don't do it. Respect wildlife. It's like their home. It's not your home. I hate when people get close to them. Just love I'm to totally, me. totally please with you. And honestly, even just, things like so angry. local city parks where there's ponds with ducks or geese and so many people throwing bread in to feed the ducks. <laughs> Not just that, it's just I see it in the ocean. Like we were yeah. in the pier and the kid was like trying to throw like bread to like the sea lions up there. It's like, no, don't do yeah. that. This, yeah. this is not their helmets. Don't feed them. Like in that case, it's even worse. That's why the the bears and Yosemite, they have to have like bear cans because they love human food. Now they're mm-hmm. that's like some a whole nother thing too. Like now I have to care of bear cans because people were giving them food and now like yes. they're so dependent on human food. Um, you know, if they have their own life, then they they need to be doing their own things and yeah. they don't have and to be not harming just them that. and I making them human food making them reliant on our food. To some animals. Um, I forget who told me this, but someone was saying that. If ducks eat too much bread, just this completely disrupts um, their digestion. And so, you know, they're not lacking in food, right? There are a lot of them because, you know, they can find their natural foods. And so I think there's this kind of tendency for us to connect with wildlife because they're animals and we want to learn about them and see them. And at the same time, you're not doing them a favor either by leaving your extra food. So um, I think that's a big part of respecting wildlife. I think (laughs) when in doubt, I I think there's a lot of YouTube videos to learn about how to handle wildlife encounters and these kinds of things. So um, I'm just going to leave it at that. And they're, they're honestly pretty useful. And even the national parks videos that we've watched are pretty helpful. So just kind of leave it to the experts when in doubt leave the wildlife be. We should definitely move on. Um, So we have travel and camp on durable surfaces. Um, I think that's honestly one of the more obvious ones, right? It it makes sense that we can can go through it pretty quickly. I mean, just like what it reads online is just that you don't want to sleep on vegetation. You want, you want like, you want grass to grow back. You don't want the like, yeah, so just, just, this kind of like, you can read that by online. But the most important thing for me that stands out is that if you do have to stealth camp or st- camp where there's no, not a marked campsite, because like that's kind of what you want to do. You want to camp where there's a designated campsite. It's easiest thing possible. Makes this things like a thousand times easier. You don't have to worry about this. But by yeah. any chance you to camp somewhere, there's not a designated campsite. Just you camp on a durable surface and make sure you camp 200 feet from water that's like the most important thing you got to do which is 70 feet away I think it's about also the same amount from a trail because you should not camp near a trail too it's other thing that I don't think they they marked but forgot the amount of distance so but you don't yeah you don't want to you don't want to like sleep near a trail or um or water and I can go into that but those are some most important things but otherwise like you're pretty like squared off if you just camp at a regular campsite <laughs> and yeah. for backpacking there's marked campsites too a lot of times people already set it up like even when we went to like a wilderness once for Yosemite like there's you, you'll look you'll look a little harder if you can't find it just challenge yourself to see if you can find any and you'll find it like the only place they couldn't find is like that one that place that like no one ever camps in Yosemite never like I've never seen anybody there so it's like really, so we there, we have to like find our own camping spot, but be kind of smart. To where yeah, you definitely. Out, and even, like usually um, there's always a campsite. For, like you're saying for backpacking, a lot of people, you know, thanks to the internet, like blog about places that they camped that might even be close to water or things like that, where you can refuel, restock, um, at least on water. So just do your research. Um, I know that's that's kind of our... We, we say it over and over again, but it's really, really true. Um, doing your research can really help you kind of find the right camp spots and, um, and, and trails and just know where things are ahead of time so you don't have to trample in areas. 
minimal tramping and even said right you can watch you can wear soft shoes around your campsite there is not designated areas but you just stick to one that's already designated your goal yeah. that's, that's what I and on the topic of I camping too i think that leads again. nicely into um, minimizing campfire impacts as well and just being careful of fire right um i know last all of last week up here in oregon um it's been unusually dry, and so people are already starting to warn everyone, you know, get in that mindset of being careful with your fires, putting them out correctly. Um, I know you're kind of the, the campfire expert, but I know that's kind of a big one, is to make sure that your campfire is out when you're done. But I know California has a bunch of extra rules, too, so I don't know if you want to go into any of those right now. If anyone's who's um, going to camp at California or Backpack, if you're thinking about it, having a fire, you can apply for a fire permit. You have to have a fire permit in California if you want to start a fire. And oh, wow. it's really simple. It's just you're watching like a quick video and then you get a quick quiz it's super easy to take we do it mm-hmm. every single year You're required to have a new one um and just you do it out of respect and it actually you learn quite a lot from it so just look it up online and but it's really important in california because you know we go and fire every single year it's just something that just happens and you just hope that it's um it's like whether it's just like you know whether it's man-made or just nature related because sometimes it, it you know like a lightning strike that's what happened last year the biggest fires were all lightning strikes so um, it's just like, it's all it takes. So we just be really mindful. And then especially for California, like um, they usually during the hotter months, I'm really, I'm really surprised that we, we have fire restrictions super early. I see the, the I see the green hills turning yellow already that yeah. you limit campfire. Can you, you have campfire in a lot of these areas in Bay Area, they only allow you to have stovetop. So just be really mindful when you're going camping around here, just chuck to fire restrictions, don't start a campfire if you can't. Just you know, bring yeah. your stove. That's why being prepared is so helpful. Bring your bring your camp stove yeah. so you can have it. So you can just have at least have something to eat, um, because it's a really a big big problem in California. Um, and a few things it's that like um, we always check state and local regulations and restrictions. Make yeah, mm-hmm. and then um, that's really important. Choose a safe location and in um safe location could be a designated campfire ring, which I really recommend. If not, just a level open area, avoid heavy full, such as logs, sticking leaves and needles. Um, clear minimum 10 feet around your fire. It's a really big thing. So you want to clear, if you need, you know, we probably don't have a shovel to do that. We can be great and just have responsible adult and attendance. Like I'm going, I, this is like a really thing I'm passionate about. <laughs> and extinguish your fire completely. There's videos on there, how to do that. There's John Stern feel. There's so many resources out there. Like, please like fires is what like I experienced. And it was really bad last year. Cause it was like five miles away from my house. <laughs> yes. And like, um, you should be able to fill the area when it's like, when it's hot. But still, fire shoot is a really big deal. Check your local and state restrictions. Do your California fire permit if you're doing a fire. It's just that, like, we don't need any more fires at all. And if it's fire season, you don't have to, like, celebrate anything with, like, someone's a doing a Thunderbird fire. What was, like, the I thing think. that like, someone, yeah. like, was doing um, a spark to cause it a, like a fire mm-hmm. so all it, took, all it takes and even around here someone was smoking a cigarette you know, it's actually it's not to smoke because like the cigarette butts are made of plastic by the way these did not yeah. know it's plastic so you're not supposed to be smoking anyway like you're not supposed to be smoking at all at the parks um and someone yeah. like flung like an ash and it started a fire around here oh, but it was yeah. really minimal but it's all it takes around here just takes a blink of an ash Yes. Yeah. Fire. No like, fire all it takes in your too. I don't know if you remember the clean. Eagle Creek fire up here in Oregon, like four years ago at this point. It was one of the most massive wildfires we've had here in quite a while. And it was started because some kids were playing in a really dry area with fireworks. And the sparks of the fireworks burnt down of massive, something like actually millions of acres of lands. It was four years ago, but those trees are still charred. It, it was takes four like years a ago, long right? Long time. 
we were there right before it happened because we, we arrived like right before like the eclipse i think we were we got into it probably like mid-august so we like we left and then the fires happened we're like Ooh, yeah. we're smelling smoke yeah it's friends to, um, to the, the smoke and the wind so all of that is to say i think we digress a bit um and we should totally do like a separate episode on on wildfires and fire safety We should. So we go recap. We did plan ahead and prepare, tra- travel and keep on durable services. We what you find, minimize campfire impacts, respect wildlife. The last two things we have is dispose of waste properly and be considerate of other visitors. Um, I'll let Marcella take care of dispose of the waste yeah. she has written I, I think that's a long thing. Um, and so I'll let you take it away, Marcella. Is both obvious, but also I'm most passionate about. I used to actually do riverside and shore cleanups when I was in college. So very much a thing that that is near and dear to me. But one thing that I think helps me and hopefully helps you think about, you know, the impact that any trash that you accidentally drop or intentionally drop is about how long it takes for that thing to actually decompose, right? How long is it actually out there in nature just sitting there not doing anything? Um, I, I found this page that describes this USDA Forest Service study that examined a bunch of different items and really just how long it takes for this trash to decompose. So um, something and something that I find a lot on the trail is orange peels and banana peels. I don't know if you've seen these a lot too. Um, according to the study, it takes up to two years for these to decompose just out in the open. Right. And we think of these as like, oh, you know, how harmful can an orange peel really be? Well, oranges aren't native to Oregon, for example. And so they're not going to as naturally decompose here, but also, you know, wildlife could eat that. And so, again, it's just kind of disrupting a natural cycle. Right. Leaves drop from the trees every year, but they decompose in a year, right? So it's not quite the same thing. So just really think about your banana peels, your orange peels, your apple cores, right? You don't want to be dropping those in areas where they're not native to. Um, Something else that I've seen a lot on trails, especially in the winter, right? People will drop their hats, their gloves. Um, I was reading some people, some people drop their leather belts, Um, I'm not really sure how you don't notice that you dropped that, but, um, items made of wool and leather, according to a study, take anywhere between a year and five years to decompose on their own, right? So again, even though wool is technically a natural, a a natural material, right? And so is leather. They're treated with colors and dyes and all these things. It just takes a while. Um, and it can, again, just disrupt the natural life cycle of things. Um, And then, of course, we get into the more, uh, how should I say, just like man-made trash, like food wrappers, cans for drinking, glass. Yes, the face masks nowadays. And I found a stat for disposable diapers too, which personally I've never seen on the trail, but these things apparently happen. Disposable diapers can take up to 450 years, according to the study which I, it just blew my mind because (laughs) I I guess there's just so much plastic in these, right? Because they don't leak and they have all the, um, like Velcro-y and sticky bits, right? So they don't fall off. Um, 450 years is an incredibly long time for that to linger in nature. And so please just pick up after yourselves. I think that's really what I'm getting at. Um, plastic bottles, right, and your food containers, um, can take, um, it, it really depends, um, on the specific plastic, right? There's, like, plastics one through five, um, but it can take up to a hundred, hundreds of years, um, depending on the type of plastic, how big it is, but the thing about plastics is that they can break down into small chunks, right? And then the wildlife starts eating this, and like we were saying before, it can really, um, kind of disrupt their digestion. It can end up in waterways polluting things over there. So um, those are just kind of trash things to, to think about, you know, what your impact really is, right? Your impact isn't just, oh, I dropped it yesterday. Your impact can really be like years. So 
Honestly, right, something like a banana peel doesn't weigh much. Just put it in your plastic baggie, take it back home um, where you can dispose of it properly. That's what it's all about. Honestly, pack it's it in, pack it out. not That's hard. It's I've about. seen um, trails that have these little signs that say, like, there's no trash ferry here. And it's true. No one's going to pick up the trash for you. I think the only place where that might happen is city parks. But even then, you know, why would you have somebody else pick up your trash, right? That's honestly just a little rude in my opinion. Um, the park is not yeah, an amusement they're not there. park. Like, you don't see a trail garbage man on the trail. Like, there's no such position as a garbage man, even nature preserve. There's like... Uh, maybe the only ones working maybe in the office like part-time as a contractor but like but still like there is no designated trash trail trash mail like yeah, there is exactly. never exists yeah at and that's all. that's really and there's it. no janitor right? around it's not cumbersome um and I'm just gonna use the example of a poop bag because it's something that I have to do pretty frequently with my dogs don't you know drop your poop bag even if it's even if you cleaned it up I've seen it so many times, just poop bags on the sides of the trail because people are like, oh, I'll just pick it up on, way, on my way back down. And between then, between when you come back down, maybe it's gone because a bird picked it up because the, the poop bags are shiny and that can attract some birds to like pick it up, pick it open. And suddenly you've spread that everywhere. So it's not just about your own experience, right? It's about everybody else's experience. You don't own the trails. Exactly. Kind of leads into like, wait, you know, your own human waste. It's really important to like dig a cat hole six to eight inches deep because if you don't, animals can actually dig it up and take it apart. Because yeah. you will see it sometimes it's just totally for hanging out because they actually like they, they found it. So kind of like the poop bag, they will get into it. Now it's everywhere. So you got to think the same with your own human waste. But that's the thing. You got to take six to eight inches. Bring, bring, make sure you bring your own poop scoop. You can buy it. It's like two, four dollars at the store. Get it on Amazon. It actually has like a measuring mark. So you know how deep to, to, to do mm -hmm. it. And also make sure you do it 200 feet from trails, campsites, and water sources. Because you don't want to be interfering with the water. No, I want to be drinking poop water. And then if there's like people recommend you for pooping to, to pack out your toilet paper. I know it's quite controversial, but you know, it's recommended to pack it out because you don't want to leave the toilet paper there because animals, if they find it, they will dig it up. Um, make sure if you do that, put in a resealable plastic baggie so it stays sealed, you don't smell it. And then um, also if we're going peeing, make sure you pee 200 feet from water sources too. Um, and then you, when you find a, like a place you can dump it out, like a proper like dumpster trash, you drop it off there. And then for hygiene products too, we talk about somehow with hygiene products related, but because we're talking about pooping and peeing already, there's like for peeing, there's like usually yeah. cloths you can use like a bandana, cooler cloth to wipe yourself. It's fine. Anything that bandana, to, it's reusable. Like I talk about for the nose. So maybe like, you, it doesn't get complicated. How many cloths do you have? I seem like, you know, like how many cloths do you have? When that's like that, it's like, um, that's why for me, I just do this, like the, I, I do the, the papa squat and shake because I don't want two bandanas, one for my, like my nose and one for my, mm -hmm. it's way too much. I just less weight, less <laughs> weight for me. You can do whatever you want. There's no right or wrong. But I don't like to mix or max and, ma mix and matching my bandanas. Um, and then if you want to do what use anything to clean yourselves, there's some eco-friendly soaps out there because it's like biodegradable. Yeah. Which is nice to have. But you never want to use soap in the water because then it actually contaminates the water. Right. So it sounds great, but you still want to use that like 200 feet away and be mindful of the surfaces. So mainly rocks are really good to use your soap. And even when at campsites, when you see when you at the campsites, there's designated water areas. You see that there's rocks in that area because it's made for that the okay surface for the water to be in. But um, mm -hmm. but it's not to help you eliminate your footprint. But still, don't like you know clean prop in the proper areas because then you're 
when you're getting all this soap and this like grass or this, yeah, no, absolutely. Areas and I think actually destroy it. Going back to yeah, the, the just the the dog poop situation. You can you can bury that too, right? You don't have to um, carry it either, especially if you're out in the backcountry. But the biggest thing there um, is that both human poop, but also dog poop, can carry chemicals or or bacteria or just other compounds that aren't safe for for the environment and harmful and can transmit diseases. So um, again, just just think about that. Um, There's one more topic that we wanted to cover before we end, and that is being considerate of others, of other visitors specifically, right? That's kind of the last principle, um, the last leave no trace principle, I should say, that um, is officially on the list. Um, We both thought this was kind of controversial because on the one hand, there are several um, kind of concepts that fall under being considerate that we think are absolutely fair. Um, And there are some concepts that are honestly a bit policey, a bit encroaching upon people's personal choices. And so we just want to cover that really quickly, right? I think on the one hand, definitely um, noise levels is kind of a big one around um, other visitors some people are disturbed by music. I think that's a personal choice whether or not you want to blast your music. The only thing that we definitely both agree on is that you can disturb wildlife. And again, this goes back to making sure that you're not disrupting them too much um, with your loud, loud music. But um, other than that, I mean, on the flip side, the website was recommending like, to wear headphones if you want to listen to music while you're out on the trail. Um, But honestly, I think that that is not necessarily the best advice for some people, Um, especially women who like to go solo jogging or solo hiking might find that a bit dangerous and sketchy to wear headphones. So never recommend that ever because most of the time yeah. I've seen like since I, I was a huge runner that most of the time if someone got like jumped a girl was jumped it was because they were they were wearing headphones every yeah. single time wearing headphones it's just it's a you you are like if someone sees that like they they will pounce on you like you're like they're the prey it's like you're not paying yeah. attention if, at least right have one headphone in you know put it low like that's gonna be a nicer way but just say you can just go ahead and wear headphones instead and be okay like no like that's silly like no please because not just that what if there's like and not just a safety but also animals what if there's like a bear or like anything around you and you're not yeah paying attention it's, it's, to that it's because definitely you're a safety so concern your so like, i think dangerous. that was one of the points where Yes, we understand why the recommendation is to keep your noise levels down. And at the same time, you know, if their recommendation is like, oh, well, maybe wear headphones, it doesn't really work for everyone. So, you know, why we think that's kind of a controversial principle or guideline Like, I kind of wonder sometimes, what are they talking about? Do you think, you know, we are loud being a Latino? Because I know we're always like, but it turns out, now I realize that um, I'll probably get attacked on this. I don't care. But we're like, I was camping and it was like late at night. Like, why is it always the white people who are the loudest at night at our like, campsite? I feel like, but we like, you know, we when we say like, no, to be quiet, like, we will shut up. But like I, I just, they're the ones that get louder and like louder, and they don't care. I think they're the only ones there. But I feel like during the day, I meant like we can be kind of loud. We're always loud. We're like a party all the time for us. So I feel like maybe like it kind of fingers are pointed yeah. at us. I've also gotten just stares. I remember I was sitting on the, the the one time we went skiing this year. I was just so excited to see the views from the chairlift because they were amazing. And so I was just like, yeah, and there's that mountain. And people started turning around at me in the like chairlift in front of me, just being like, oh, they didn't say anything. And my partner was like, oh, excuse me, I think you're being too loud. I mean, he didn't say excuse me. <laughs> what? I mean, <laughs> oh, so, no you know, and I was like, um, 
He knows I get excited, but I think, like you were saying, he felt really awkward because this white person turned around and looked at me being like, why why is this lady yelling up here on the chairlift? I'm having a good time. Um, (laughs) That's one thing um, of being considerate of other visitors. Um, I think it's perfectly fair, you know, to try to follow, you know, the yield rules on the trail. And if you don't know what those are, typically you want to yield to hikers going uphill if you're going downhill. Um, That's pretty reasonable, I think, especially because going uphill can be a bit harder. Yielding to horses is, um, I think, also something that is pretty widely accepted. Um, If you're on a shared trail, so going back to the whole planning and being prepared part, know if your trail is shared with cyclists or horses, right? I wrote that it said on Leave No Trace Center, it yeah. says that, so that, um, that in many places, the expectation that hikers, you have to expeditions and cyclists, and, but, but cyclists, cyclists must yield to hikers and yes. expeditions yeah. on the trail. It's written down there because all the oh. time I have mm-hmm. to yield to bikers, but just letting you know, if you're a biker, cyclist, essentially, you're supposed to yield to hikers. Because I always hear on the time, oh, there's 10 of us. Oh, there's 10 of us behind us. There's 10 of us. I, I know that there's 10 of us. Like, there's 20 of y'all, right? 50 of y'all behind us. But, like, but I, I just know that, like, this, what do you know? That's, that's sad. And I would yield to cyclists because sometimes they're going downhill way too fast. And it can be yeah. an accident. But I just want to. And it's kind of hard to do sometimes, right? Because, like, you're saying, if they're going roll. downhill really quickly, <laughs> and suddenly they need to, like, at least slow down, right? Um. And as, you know, my partner and I hike a lot with, with our two dogs, and we see many other hikers with dogs, because here in Oregon, most places allow you to bring your dog. I heard somewhere that in California, it's a little more strict with the dogs on the trails, but um, so many dogs go off leash. And honestly, not every dog and not every person is a dog lover, Right. Um, I have a dog who's pretty reactive when she's on leash because she's very protective. And so a lot of the times I've had to yell at other hikers to call their dogs back from my dog so that they don't get into a dog fight um, because my dog thinks that this random dog that is just like running at us is, you know, friend or foe, right? They don't know. And frankly, I don't know that dog. So that's just another way to be considerate. Um, I absolutely 100% love dogs and everyone should take their dog hiking, but please keep them on leash um, unless they're absolutely fantastic with being called back. That's just uh, a courtesy thing um, for a variety of reasons. And also it just prevents them from stomping off trail, um, which is something we talked about before. So something to, to, you know, be respectful and mindful of too. Um, I know a lot of people say like, oh, my dog is friendly. They don't mean your dog any harm. But I don't know that beforehand. My dog doesn't know that. And so it can just cause extra tensions that aren't necessary. Like, how does this relate to leaving a trace behind? Like, that's like the biggest thing that I always think about. Like, how is this relatable? Like, how you're reducing your impact on the trail? Like, so I guess for you, it's like a dog is trampling on the trail and then also for people like if you're not yielding to people on the trail or not being mindful of it sometimes you're gonna have to step aside because the cyclist is not gonna you know not gonna yield to you so it's important to you know to know that and step off at appropriate spot because right. if you don't then you're just create now you're like um stepping on to vegetation grass creating a new trail so just be more mindful of this so you can like Make sure everyone can pass properly and you're not messing up with the trail and you're not interfering with anything else. So, like, that's what I try to think about because, yeah. um, about how no, that's that a super good point. Um, and I think it's also one of the reasons why we thought still that, you know, even though there are some reasons to um, really consider this a leave no trace principle, being considerate, um, one of the things that was that we both thought was pretty sketchy was kind of the expectation that you're going to protect the quality of other people's experience um 
you know, how does that relate to Leave No Trace, really? And another big one that we, like, ranted about for a long time preparing this episode was that the official Leave No Trace guidelines say to avoid wearing bright colors because that might visually offend people. And I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not sorry, right? You know... Especially BIPOC hikers, not disabled hikers, LGBT hikers, just people who are underrepresented frequently on the trail face so much harassment um, that I really think, you know, this whole protecting the quality of someone's experience is highly subjective to who you are, right? Um, It almost seems like it's trying to protect a very specific kind of experience, right? also I think that equates like a it's gatekeeping too because what if people don't have the gear what if they want to go outside now they have to plan for this wearing these neutral colors but even for me culturally because I'm you know I'm like I'm part Mexican half Mexican like that's part of my identity is bright colors that's Mm -hmm. a wear and you know like and I'm like why so you're basically saying that you're trying to make me assimilate so I can't wear the what I love it's part of my culture and I'm just like, to me, I go, and then, and then also because, um, you know, I am technically like Native American Mexican. It's like, now we can say like, who, you didn't go into technicality of the land. So like you stole this land mm-hmm. and now, and now you're saying I can't wear the colors that they, they love, they love and embrace. And you're telling what to wear now. Like that can yeah. even take it that whole another level, which I, I don't have to do, but this is like the thing that I read. Like you're telling what to wear on stolen land. That's not yours because you're protecting your experience on this land that you stole. No, like protecting yeah. your experience. And you know, experience. when I mentioned this to my partner, you're offended um, by what I'm wearing. Is white. He likes to wear bright colors on a trail too, right? So it's it's really just, you know, why should you know, why is this a leave no trace principle? Um, and I think to, you know, ask someone to wear, uh, what was the, what was the actual term they used? I think like earth tones. Um, and honestly, you can really tell when you go to a place like REI or, you know, other outdoor stores, what colors do they have? They're all these very like neutrally grayed out colors. And, I, I liked something that you mentioned in the past, which is, you know, in part, you also like to wear bright colors for safety. Because if something happens and you're wearing brown and you're laying in a ditch, unfortunately, that's also brown, right? Like, how are you going to be seen? It says in a quote, like, because if you're wearing bright colors, you can see from afar, so that's mm-hmm. a problem to someone's visually, but if I'm like lost or what if someone's going to attack me, they can spot me. So I think everyone's safety is actually takes precedent than over someone's like preference and how they want to, how they want to be in nature on stolen land, whether it feels like too busy to them. Like that's not, this does not take precedent at all. Like everyone's safety, every single female girl, like the outdoors was very manly, very masculine and now we're getting outside and now we are telling told we have to wear these colors and have to assimilate and blend in when we're just trying to finally get started I'm like I'm like where are the bright colors feel safe take over this whole space like yeah be seen so if something happens to you you feel safe because if something did happen they will find you so yeah. for like that's just yeah me, a very no, it's, it's also masculine just you know people's personal expressions um like you're saying you know why should everyone assimilate to this like mainstream idea of the outdoors you know we're here to disrupt that and I think if we want to wear bright colors we should and that's that I'm gonna wear what I have because it's also not gonna buy anything new like I really don't want to buy anything new. I don't have money and this and this gear is so expensive this you cut neutral color gear because it's out of style if you actually try to buy those neutral colors you can't even find them because they're probably like no one's you're not gonna find cute neutral colors and they're probably gonna only find an REI and it's gonna be like marked up to like 60 80 100 bucks like I'm gonna go to what I have that I love already that I'm gonna use that I think it's cute makes me feel comfortable 
But yeah, like that's just something I don't. I know. I don't like. We could probably rant about rant this forever, forever, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> we should probably start wrapping things up a bit. But so I did kind of want to end with kind of a little question um, for both of us. You know, what are kind of your top three items that you like to bring to reduce your impact on nature? So for me, I think backpack is the most important thing. It's pretty obvious. I've done a lot of people who don't like bringing backpacks. I'm like, why not? You're going to be out there for a while. Pack everything in. There's one pack. Don't worry about it. Don't have things in your pocket falling out. Like storage your water bottles, snacks, food, everything. And if this always helps with the girls, um, is that also when you bring more weight, you burn more calories. So if you do less miles, you still burn more calories because you're carrying more weight. So that's one and um, doesn't have a designated trash container that's a resealable plastic baggie to seal everything up. Oh, my favorite thing is a Pringles can. It's a great excuse to buy some Pringles and it's very tall and skinny. You can fit it in your backpacking pocket, mesh pocket on the side and you can eat some Pringles. <laughs> and then um, those are one of my favorite things. That's uh, two. Oh no, I think about that. <laughs> and a reusable water bottle it always brings something for water. And just because it's just, I never like to buy anything new. I just, something I like, but you can still, you can still get a yeah. smart water bottle. For me, um, I would um, also like totally add the reusable water bottle to my list of, you know, top three kind of eco friendly hiking items. Best purchase I've ever made, right? And over the years, I've been getting different bottles because um, they're different sizes or different materials are different weights so I kind of have the luxury of being able to choose but it's one of the best things I've had and you know sometimes I bring two water bottles or leave one in the car and it's just awesome to have that um have that backup um I've really started bringing a bandana especially for those peeing emergencies um even if there is a toilet sometimes there's no toilet paper and for women you know, the hygiene aspect, which is, I think, something that we're going to talk about in a future episode. Um, just being able to right, feel clean out there is, is nice. And my third kind of big one is bringing food and Tupperwares. Um, as much as I can, I try to avoid plastic wrappers um, or, or just f food in like one-time containers. Even if I do bring those, I tend to kind of prepare it at home, put it in a Tupperware that I want to bring back um, so I don't have to deal with those like flying granola wrappers or whatever it, out on the trail. That's just um, kind of annoying to have to deal with. And empty Tupperwares aren't heavy. So, um, and they can, like you're saying with the Pringles can, can even double as a trash can, a little trash container. So I, I would say those are my three tips for reducing your impact on nature. You don't have to buy anything new for any of those. So yeah. I like what you mentioned um, though, because like just to kind of reiterate about, you know, taking apart some of this little plastic packaging for backpacking, we do that all the time because actually it saves weight. But for like ramen, we actually take apart all the ramen packaging because it's just way too much. And we have yeah. one reusable plastic bag we use for like as long as we can. It's it's like a challenge. How long can you reuse this recycle this reusable bag and use it just for like, you know, weeks on time? It's like, you mm -hmm. know, it's a pretty strong bag. And we just, we use all the ramen we, before we go on the trail, we put all the ramen in there. Even for the mashed potatoes, you make this one huge bag, or you can like buy a whole, you know, box of it and pour it in there. It's like, you you don't buy the serving sizes, but like I thought we do. So we just minimize like carrying all that because the wrappers add up too, but that's like yeah. a common backpacking technique. That's a whole separate that, topic um, too, we, just that like how use. it is in our Latino culture to reuse old things that are still in good condition for a long time, um, because why not, right? Like, why do you need to buy new things every time? So yeah, I, I hopefully that is helpful to you all. And, you know, kind of to wrap things up, I think we went over the leave no trace principles and how you can leave no trace behind. Hopefully our interpretations and explanations uh, made them a bit simpler for you and just better to understand what, what they can mean for you. Just repeat their principles. The principles are plan ahead and pre prepare, 
travel and camp on durable surfaces, dispose of leaves properly, and leave what you find, minimize campfire impacts, be careful with fire, respect wildlife, and be considerate of other visitors. So I hope like now when you see this and you see these terms that you can think about it more than just that line because a lot of times it's like, what is that? Like, how is that related to leave a trace behind? So I hope that provides a little bit more context to that because at first glance, I mean, I didn't, like, I'm from Texas. Like we used to just, I never had time to just throw stuff out of the window when you're driving. And so it was like kind of like relatively new in a way that like knowing so many levels, there's so much behind it. So if you felt like this was a lot of new information, you're like, wow, like, like that's like, that's how I felt. And that's why I'm so passionate about because I'm like, why didn't no one tell me this stuff? <laughs> I'm like, why? So this is just sharing what we have learned. And I made Bad Miss 64. Now I'm making my best to do my part because I now feel like 30, like probably 25, yeah. 28 yeah. years and, and of my true, life to make right? up I for think all the bad that choices that I made. That is one of the takeaways that um, I wanted to really convey too is that, you know, shit happens, right? You know, you shouldn't beat yourself up if you have one violation or if you realize now that, oh, I've been doing XYZ wrong for so many years, right? Um, you know, learn from your mistakes, be mindful, and tr- just try to do better next time, right? It's no one is perfect. And I think when it comes to really reducing your impact and protecting the planet, try to do better, right? Um, if everyone does a little bit better every time, we'll eventually get there. Um, that's how I feel about these principles too. Um, they're, they're principles and guidelines, not strict, strict rules. And so with that, I think um, our third and final takeaway was really to just use your best judgment when you're out on the trail. I, I know what you said before, Heather, was was really meaningful to pick and choose your battles. Um, sometimes you'll have emergencies. Sometimes, you know, you'll be able to prepare better than others, or sometimes you'll be able to go out and buy, you know, the better gear before other times. Um, it's you do what you can follow these guiding principles, but also you know, take some with a grain of salt, especially some of those that are just, you know, a little more subjective. So do you have any closing words at this point? Just you know, I always like to end with it. keep on wearing your mask. <laughs> yeah. It's always. Many people are getting vaccinated, but we're still in a pandemic, so wear your mask, and if you can, make it reusable, and take it home with you so you can wash it and use it again. So with that, I think um, we're going to wrap things up. This has been super fun. I agreed. And thanks again. And I said, leave a trace behind and leave it better than you found it. (laughs) 